0: A particularly controversial California Democrat has tweeted some choice words at Elon Musk, some profanity, and dragged Tesla shortly after it was announced that Elon would be suing Alameda County for refusing to allow the Tesla plant to reopen. Elon Musk has been going on a tirade recently arguing these lockdowns are unconstitutional and it's time to liberate or free America. He made the point that if you're not making stuff, then there's no stuff. It's a point I've also made. Recently, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, announced they would begin the first phase in reopening the economy, which includes manufacturing plants. Elon Musk and Tesla then sent out a message that they would try to get their factory to around 30%. They did say to employees, if you don't feel safe, you don't have to come and work. But Alameda County said, we are not giving Elon Musk the green light, triggering an angry response from Elon saying this is the last straw that he was going to be filing a lawsuit, and that he would actually relocate Tesla out of California. Now, look, this is really bad news for California, man. They're facing a $54 billion budget deficit. They're looking at an early fire season and a drought in the north. The last thing they need is to lose 10,000 jobs amid this crisis. They really need the money. What's funny about this California Democrat who tweeted these rather choice words about Elon, is that she was the person responsible for something called Assembly Bill 5, which cost the state thousands or even tens of thousands of jobs, maybe even more. Assembly Bill 5 targeted the gig economy, and it resulted in basically every single freelance writer in the state, be it a journalist or maybe someone who was doing transcriptions or translations. They all lost their jobs. Companies like Vox started cutting off all of the contractors they had in California. And many progressives were dragging this woman. I find her statement and her response to Elon Musk kind of humorous, considering she has a really, really bad track record when it comes to jobs in California. And now her response amid news that Elon might actually take 10 to 30,000 jobs out of the state is to just say a few, man, not a good time. Now, it's fair to point out the city in which I believe it's Fremont a local politician, is defending Elon Musk. And I got to say, if the governor has said you can reopen, I think it's silly that Alameda County is going to block him. So he is filing a lawsuit. But let's see exactly what's going on. And we'll start with the choice words of this California Democrat. Man, they look, you, you, you really got to help the economy right now. Things are really bad. This is not the kind of message you want to be sending out. But this woman, her name is uh, Lorena Gonzalez. She pushed AB5. She is just- just awful when it comes to jobs. Okay, I know, I know I said it. Let's read the news. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways that you can give if you want to help out, but the best thing you can do is just share this video. I'm competing against mainstream media who have nearly unlimited resources, and to make it worse, YouTube props them up in the algorithm. I don't have that advantage, but what I do have is your willingness to share. So if you really want to help the channel, it's the most powerful thing you can do. But if you just want to watch, hit the subscribe button, the like button, the notification bell, and hopefully that's enough to get YouTube to actually recommend my videos. But let's read the first story from the Daily Mail. California Democrat says, "F Elon Musk after Tesla founder tweets company HQ will move to Texas or Nevada immediately after California County health official says factory can't reopen despite." Governor Gavin Newsom giving it green light. They say Gonzalez's statement drew both praise and condemnation, particularly from people who pointed out the number of job losses if the Tesla factory moves. Tesla's Fremont factory employs 10,000 people. Not going to be good for the local economy, for the state economy. Not a smart thing to do. Take this guy. Dan Crenshaw responded uh, to the news that he would move to Texas. Texas gets better every day. Good conservative principles make good governance and attract the best and brightest. The future is happening in Texas. Talk about a very professional and epic response. Not even saying anything about Elon, but kind of saying something about Elon. Big Dan Rodemer from Nevada says Nevada needs these jobs most of all right now. Elon Musk, we would love to have you and Tesla HQ right here in the Battle Born state. Jobs are important. Think about what happened in New York City with the Amazon deal. Now, as much as Ocasio-Cortez says she had nothing to do with them pulling out, she did. She was leading these protests. Democrats don't have a great record when it comes to jobs. I'm not going to pretend like Republicans are perfect, but come on, man. The news of the past several months has not been good. Unemployment is skyrocketing. I can only imagine people in this county are probably freaking out saying, stop, what are you doing? The people who work at the Tesla plant are probably freaking out too. They say, unlike Gonzalez, Texas and Nevada Republicans were quick to embrace Musk's plans. Texas gets better every day. Uh, we read that one already, so I'll, I'll move on from here. But let's get to the big, big news. Tesla sues Alameda County to force California factory reopening. It's a bold move, Elon. We'll see how it plays out. But I thought you were going to move. Suppose he's, uh, I suppose it's possible Elon still relocates, but for the time being, he is suing. TechCrunch reports Tesla filed a lawsuit Saturday against Alameda County in an effort to invalidate orders that have prevented the automaker from reopening its factory in Fremont, California. The lawsuit, which seeks injunctive and declaratory relief against Alameda County, was first reported by CNBC. The lawsuit was filed in U.S. District Court for California's Northern District. Earlier Saturday, Tesla tweeted uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk tweeted that he was filing a lawsuit against Alameda County and threatened to move its headquarters and future programs to Texas or Nevada. Tesla had planned to bring back about 30% of its factory workers Friday as part of its reopening plan. Defying Alameda County's stay-at-home order, Musk was basing the reopening on new guidance issued Thursday by California Governor Gavin Newsom. So this we all, we all know. The lawsuit argues that pre- by preventing Tesla from opening, the Alameda County is, uh, uh, is going against its own guidance. Quote, Alameda County has expressly recognized and publicized that businesses may operate to manufacture batteries and electrical vehicles. The complaint reads, inexplicably, however, the third order, as well as county officials, have simultaneously insisted that Tesla must remain shuttered, thereby further compounding the ambiguity, confusion, and irrationality surrounding Alameda County's position as to whether Tesla may resume manufacturing activities at its Fremont factory and elsewhere in the county. The term third order is a reference to a revised stay-in-place order issued by Alameda County. On Friday, the Alameda County Health Department said Tesla had not been given the green light to reopen, and said if the company did, it would be out of compliance with the order. Now here's what's really really phony about this. Seems like according to this lawsuit, Elon Musk and Tesla are just saying, "You've issued wishy-washy statements. Can we open or not? Why are you saying we can't when you've previously said we could?" So to see this response from Lorena Gomez, I find absolutely astounding. Is this really the appropriate way to handle Elon Musk's complaints? Now, Well, here's what she said. First, she tweeted straight up, F Elon Musk, bravo. And then she went on to say, California has highly subsidized a company that has always disregarded worker safety and well-being, has engaged in union busting, and bullies public servants. I probably could have expressed my frustration in a less aggressive way. Of course, no one would have cared if I uh, no one would have cared if I tweeted that. Why would anyone care? If why would they care? They care because you said something profoundly distasteful. That doesn't help the situation, but actually makes it work you then go on to drag the company. Let me ask the people of Fremont, do you agree with her assessment? Honestly, I don't know. But I'm willing to bet that at a time when things are getting particularly bad, you don't want to be losing 10,000 jobs. I mean, protests have been erupting across the country. Lockdown orders are being defied across the board. What makes you think this is the appropriate way to handle things? The only reason that Tesla's plant is remaining locked down is because they're agreeing to play by the rules. Meanwhile, across the country, tons of other companies aren't. Check out this story 3,000 California churches plan to reopen in defiance of Governor Newsom's orders. Daily Caller reports. California Church United Pastors, which represents nearly 2.5 million members, announced Thursday that they plan to reopen May 31st instead of waiting for stage three reopenings, which includes churches along with businesses like salons and gyms, according to Fox. Now, I'm not here to say whether what they're doing is right or wrong, but to point out the difficult position that Elon Musk is in because he's a high profile and large company. If he was a small business, as we've seen, some of these small businesses have been fined, their owners have been arrested. But you could pull something like this off and maybe get a fine. But because Tesla's so massive, he has to play by the rules and it's very difficult for him to move, which gives him all the more reason to take those jobs away from California at a time when they're facing a major and very, very bad budget shortfall. $54 billion. You know what, man? I rag on California all the time. What is wrong with this state? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. It's people like Lorena Gomez. Uh, I'm sorry, Lorena Gonzalez. Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez shouts profanity at AB 5 protester. It's not just her controversial state bill that the Assemblywoman has had to defend this week. This is a story from February 25th. This lady has taken thousands, tens of thousands of jobs away from California. And now, in a state of frustration, Elon Musk might actually pull out more jobs. The last thing you want to do is agitate the guy. You want to apologize and say, please don't move your company. California, you can do business here. They need the money. But you can always count on someone like Lorena Gonzalez, who has made enemies of the progressive left with this bill. You can always, you can always rest assured you'll get someone like her to fan the flames and make everything worse. She has done it in the past. Think about this story. Let me tell you about AB five. You had people who had weekend gigs, writing articles. Maybe it was about a travel location. Because of this bill which stated that you, a gig workers could only do so much work for a company unless they were full-time employees. It included a special provision for a limit on how many write, how many articles a writer could write for a company. People lost their jobs. Vox's SB Nation, I believe it was, Vox's apparent company, ended up severing several contracts. I mean, thousands of contracts, I believe, because they said, will we can't hire you anymore. Thank this woman who led the charge. And she did it because unions pressured her to do it. And in response to this, when someone who's not a billionaire, who's just a protester, shouts at her saying, you know, basically they're mad because they took her job away. She just shouts profanity at them. Excellent California. You can see why this place is run so horribly, right? In this story from CBS 8, they said, California Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez of San Diego is under fire. After video captured the moment, she shouted a profanity at AB5 protesters who were demonstrating against her controversial gig economy law. But it's not just her controversial state bill. In this video, she can be heard saying "F Donald Trump" in the middle of an Elizabeth wait, wait. Gonzalez can be heard saying "F Donald Trump" in the middle of an Elizabeth Warren event in San Diego. Gonzalez told News 8 she was repeating what she heard someone else shout because she agreed with the sentiment, even though the event was for presidential candidate Warren. Okay quote how illiterate can you uh, can you be to not see signs that say AB5 and then yell f trump said gloria rivera rivera is a translator and interpreter successfully operating as an independent contractor until she said AB5 began discouraging potential employers they are not willing to risk it when you are a translator you don't need someone specifically in california so so they they, they get into the nitty gritty basically of What happened? Um, I don't care about what this one woman is doing. I think the bigger issue is whether or not these laws, these bills are constitutional and how things are going to play out. Elon Musk tweeted about this saying, I'm not messing around. Absurd and medically irrational behavior in violation of constitutional civil liberties. Moreover, by unelected county officials with no accountability needs to stop. And we can see this is from Third Row Tesla podcast Tesla versus Alameda County, California, complaint for injunctive and declaratory relief. This is not just about Tesla. This is about every protester, it's about every job, every company, and everybody who wants things to reopen. Elon Musk is a high profile individual who's essentially leading a major charge in getting these companies functioning again. We saw a woman in Texas get arrested for opening her business. You can't just print money and think that makes things all better. Because like Elon and many other people have said, if you're not making stuff, then there is no stuff. Now, what do you think the response from many people on, say, the left would be? Well, of course, Elon Musk has been championing freedom and opening these restrictions. And over at the r slash politics subreddit, which is supposed to be a large network of 6 million individuals discussing politics, it's just leftist propaganda. And for some reason. The left is absolutely ignoring the real crisis we're facing in terms of the economic downturn. Don't tell me. uh, I I can't tell you why, man, other than tribal reasons. Orange man bad. Therefore, no matter what he says, it's wrong. But the U.N. has warned of starvation and you know it. There's another agency in the U.S. saying one in four may go hungry. We got to get things churning again. Otherwise, we are going to see a much worse loss of life, depression, anxiety, homelessness, medical issues. We can't just stop the machine. At at certain point, it's time to get it going again. But of course, here's what we here's what we get from the comments from the supposedly political discussion. I'm not going to read them for the most part, most part, but typically what you'll see if you go on Reddit, all the front page, you can tell it's total BS by the way, total biased propaganda. People are claiming that Elon Musk is uh, risking the lives of poor people because he just wants to make a profit. And this is the weirdest, the weirdest narrative I've seen in a long time, or one of the weirdest narratives I've ever seen. It's the people who want to work. I mean, people are protesting around the world. 3,000 churches are opening up. They're not doing this because they're going to, they decided they need to put people at risk. It's 3,000 churches. It's the people who work at the churches. Yes, they're at risk too. But why do we keep seeing this propagandistic, whatever word, narrative—the narrative from the left, just like, oh no, the poor people, oh no, these big industrialists—they're going to risk our lives. Elon Musk specifically said, "You don't have to come back to work." Specifically stated. Well, let's read this. It says getting back to work. This is an official statement from Tesla. They say, Tesla is the latest major car maker. Uh, I'm sorry, Tesla is the last major carmaker remaining in California, and the largest manufacturing employer in the state, with more than 10,000 employees at our our Fremont factory and 20,000 statewide. We understand the impacts of COVID-19 has caused and have a responsibility to look out for the livelihoods and safety of our personnel, many of whom rely on us and have been out of work for weeks due to the impacts of shelter-in-place orders. Given the governor's recent guidance, which is supported by science and credible health data, the state and federal government's classification of vehicle manufacturing as national critical infrastructure, and our robust safety plan. Tesla has started the process of resuming operations. Our employees are excited to get back to work, and we're doing so with their health and safety in mind. They say, our restart plan is the result of months of careful planning and preparation. It was modeled after the comprehensive return to work plan we established at our Shanghai Gigafactory which has seen smooth and healthy operations for the, for the past three months. We're taking the time we need to get our personnel properly trained before they, keep, before they begin to work, and all employees must complete an online video training before returning to work at any Tesla, Tesla facility. We have a thorough return to work plan for all locations. A cross-functional response team, including an in-house physician, has been working daily to establish health and safety guidelines based on location and job-specific risk assessments. And we're continuously reviewing our processes to ensure they work for our employees in this new environment. Back in March, we conducted risk assessments at each site, looking at how and where people work, how they interact, and what measures are needed to meet safety standards. standards. In some cases, we have added partitions or barriers to separate work areas and minimized employee interactions by positioning parts closer to where that task is completed or the line. We are also requiring additional personal protective equipment along with rigorous cleaning and disinfecting protocols. Our return to work playbook details the comprehensive safety measures we have introduced to ensure employee safety. I am not just going to read their statement and claim they're being honest. If somebody doesn't want to work, you don't have to work. That's the most important thing. But I think what we can really see from the responses on Reddit And from the statement from this California Democrat, Lorena Gonzalez, F Elon Musk. They don't know. They don't care. They didn't read the plan. They didn't read the statement. They just want it to shut down. And I can't tell you why, other than tribal reasons. Of course, there are some conspiracy theories that the Democrats are hoping the lockdown will persist so it hurts Donald Trump. I'm sure there are some people who think so. And maybe that's the guiding narrative of the tribalist left's position willful ignorance, a refusal to actually read what their plan is and, their, and and look at their safety protocols and then claim they're sacrificing the poor people. Elon Musk wants to reopen. That's fine. They recently lost a bunch of money because Elon tends to be a eccentric billionaire type individual tweeting out things on Twitter, making people quite upset. But it's so strange to see You know, Reddit used to love Elon Musk, and now it's just become fringe partisan propaganda. And I I, I rag on on, on Reddit quite a bit, but, you know, I'll throw some more shade in there. There's a subreddit called PICS, P-I-C-S, pictures. And the other day, someone posted some weird meme about Trump. And I'm like, why is this in a picture subreddit? Why are you putting politics in meme subreddits? Makes no sense. Why are the only comments we see blind ignorance? Let me tell you something. To the, the lady saying "F Elon Musk," to the lady saying, uh, to the people saying Elon Musk doesn't care about the poor people. Here's a statement from Mayor Lily May on Tesla. She said, "As the local local shelter-in-place order continues without provisions for major manufacturing activities such as Tesla to resume, I am growing concerned about the potential implications for our regional economy. We know many essential businesses have proven they can successfully operate using strict safety and social distancing practices." I strongly believe these same practices could be possible for other manufacturing businesses, especially those that are so critical to our employment base. The city encourages the county to engage with our local businesses to come up with acceptable guidelines for reopening our local economy. As we have done for over a decade, the city is prepared to support Tesla as soon as they are able to resume automobile manufacturing operations and are committed to a thoughtful, balanced approach to, To this effort that remains safe for our Fremont community. So now think about all the people dragging Elon Musk, who is being actively supported by the mayor of Fremont, who is being cussed at by someone from San Diego, not even Fremont. Why? Why are you so angry about all of this? Protesters are showing up saying we want our jobs back. And what do they do? They mock and belittle them in the press and insult them and call them rednecks who want haircuts these are people who, have, who are on the record saying, I need to work. I need to eat. The Dallas salon owner, she said, I have kids who need to eat. And I have employees who are not eating because they're feeding their kids instead. So she says, I won't apologize. I'm reopening. So what do they do? They lock her in jail. Think about what's going on. In Dallas, they released prisoners, hardened criminals saying, we don't want people to get sick, but you're a salon owner. We're going to lock you up for seven days. It was a county jail where they released these people. How does any of this make sense? So, you can drag Elon Musk, but I'll tell you what, when you do, you do not look like a good faith actor. And this is the big problem I have with, you know, left, right, culture, or whatever, and it's why I find myself where I am. Where is the honest left saying, if Elon Musk wants to safely reopen and it's in the best interest of the region, the governor agrees, the mayor agrees, then perhaps Alameda County is wrong and he is justified in filing this lawsuit? Why then would some other Democrat from nowhere just say F you? It's an emotional response that argues nothing. These people have something beyond Trump derangement syndrome. It's it's look, Trump derangement syndrome, people just get irrationally angry at whatever it is Trump does. But now it's infecting the periphery to anything around what may be in line with what Donald Trump is saying. So if Trump comes out and says that we need to reopen things and liberate, anybody now who goes anywhere near giving someone a job must be in line with Trump or not even that. They just the same twisted anger and hate they feel towards Trump. They now assign to literally anyone who goes against the tribe. That's how bad it's getting. So let me remind you all the people dragging Elon Musk and saying "f you." The mayor is trying to support Elon to to reopen. Isn't that good enough? shouldn't you back off because you don't know what Fremont needs? You want to argue about New York and how they're doing? Go for it. New York being the epicenter can do what New York needs. Fremont needs something else. So you know what, man? I don't know if Elon Musk will actually leave, but outside of the nitty gritty of this circumstance, I think to a lot of conservatives, Elon Musk is a standard bearer. He's rushing full speed into this fight, waving that flag, And it's many conservatives who want to see things reopened, who want their jobs back and don't want to sit around and don't want to take a handout. There's another really strange thing about what we see on Reddit and other comment uh, forums. The left arguing, why don't these rednecks just take universal basic income? Has it ever occurred to you that they don't want to take money from the government, that they want to just work and produce things and be free to live how they see fit? This is what these people in these cities don't understand. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to just sit around in your apartment and collect a check from the government. A lot of people don't want to do that. I have the privilege of doing some kind of media job where I get to express myself in a way that is fulfilling every day. And I imagine a lot of people are having an existential crisis as they can no longer perform their much needed task. People love doing their jobs. Not everybody. I guess maybe if you live in a big city and you work at a really awful office job, you're probably not happy. But a lot of people, and I I think I understand why it's conservatives, do work that makes them happy. Be it a a trade job, working in a salon, being a barber, or working in a factory. They like building things. They want to get back to work. They want to make money for themselves. And you are standing in their way because in your city, in New York, for some reason, you think what applies there applies to Fremont, California. So you know what, man? I'm not going to tell Elon Musk what he needs to do. If he wants to open the plant and his employees want to come back, it's their choice. Why are, why are all these people acting like Elon Musk is sacrificing these people when these people of their own volition will go back to work? Because they want authoritarianism. Because the people are too stupid? I don't know. You tell me. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. And I will see you all then. New video evidence has emerged in the Ahmed Arbery case, showing him enter a house for a few minutes before taking off running full speed after someone approaches the house calling 911. Another video was released showing him inside the house. I don't know what you get from that, other than perhaps he was trespassing and then ran off. And I will make one thing absolutely clear. The man should not have lost his life. The two men who went after him should not have done it, and they should have just left it to law enforcement. But boy, are people going to great lengths to justify or defend what he did. There are no saints, there are no angels, they're only complicated circumstances. And you've got two men who armed themselves, got in their truck, and tried tracking this guy down because he was witnessed entering, uh, someone witnessed him entering private property. The police do get called and do drive by before the interaction but it doesn't mean the man should have lost his life. Too many of these, too many people are not being honest in this story. Now, you know, it's, what's, what's funny here, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised the far left is lying. They do this all the time. I mean, how many times have sh- has Sean King put out just absolute trash fake news and people gobble it up even when activists call him out for being a grifter and for lying? It's not the first time. And now, of course, we're seeing these activists say it was cold-blooded murder and, you know, yada, yada, you know, the whole thing. Ahmed Arbery should not have lost his life, especially over what the video footage we saw. But it doesn't show him doing good things like the Daily Beast. I love it. They say he was simply visiting the foundation. Are you kidding me, dude? This guy goes into a neighborhood. He's not like he, he doesn't live at enters a house that's under construction with supplies all over the place. Maybe it's because I grew up in Chicago that I have a different view of this, but people raid construction sites all the time. There's a ton of raw materials that are valuable, that are worth money. Now, they argue, and and this is actually coming from law enforcement, it's not necessarily illegal or a, a, a serious offense to enter private property because you need to have no trespassing signs. And if he didn't take anything, then at worst, it was a misdemeanor trespass of some sort. But what we have now, from the Atlanta Courier Journal and Channel Four—I uh, believe this is Channel Four in Atlanta. Let me let me let me see what I got. What we have here, this is a uh, Georgia news outlet, is video footage showing Arbery entering this, uh, this this construction site. Now, of course, we see the Daily Beast. Let, let, let me let me just break this down for you and show you how you're being manipulated. And the reality is. let me me just not bury the lead. I think what we're dealing with is going to be potentially uh, manslaughter. It may be fair to call it negligent homicide, depending on the jurisdiction and and the laws they have in place. But basically, all the people who are saying it's murder, you're setting yourself up for failure, okay? Because they've arrested the two men now for murder charge, felony murder charges. And that means they're saying these men went out with the intent to end the life of this man. I believe that is premature to, to, to assume. We don't know. We've seen footage. And, and the, a, a, another interesting bit is coming up. A lot of people are having, having a lot of arguments. Let me try and break this down for you. But in the actual video footage that was released, it looks like, well, I, I don't want to say what it looks like. But as Arbery is running, two items are seen in the middle of the road. Some have argued that that was him dropping the things he had stolen from the construction site. I can't make that argument because you can't see whether or not he drops anything. And we don't know what's lying in the street. People are making assumptions saying it's a hammer or otherwise. I don't know that. Okay. But you make up your own mind. Let me just, let me just break it down very simply. This man was entered under a neighborhood, walked into a building that was under construction for uh, just under five minutes, I believe, according to the Atlanta Courier-Journal and one of the video, uh, videos that have been released. A man is seen walking up to the house who calls 911 and says someone's in this house. Arbury then takes off running, and the man says he's running, he's running. Another man then calls 911, saying that a black male is running down the street. The McMichaels, he runs towards where the McMichaels live, then get, grab, grab their weapons, get in their truck, and go after him. This is according to their statement. Now we're outside of the realm of what video footage can tell us. We then see the video pickup with Ahmed Arbury running towards the pickup truck. What appears to be Travis McMichael is standing in the front of the pickup truck. Arbury runs around the right side. And then he comes across the front. We hear a bang. According to the prosecutor, that was when the first round went through Arbery's hand, I believe. A fight breaks out. Arbery strikes Travis a couple times, and then we hear another bang. At this point, it looks like you can see Arbery took a hit to the chest. There's a third bang. Arbery dies. I believe the two men are at fault but very likely to have to be manslaughter. But there is still more complicated information as much as we're seeing a desperate attempt from many outlets to try and uh, defend what's going on. The Daily Wire uh, covered this. I don't think I have it pulled up, but many, uh, many stories have actually, no, I think I do have it. Check this out. This is from the Daily Wire. The two men charged with fatally, fatally shooting Ahmed Arbery told police they thought he was a suspect in several burglaries that had occurred in the area. The only problem? There were no reported break ins. Two cops in the weeks prior to the shooting reported CNN. Why, I'm surprised. Well, I can't say I'm too surprised at the Daily Wire, but this is a common misframing that we see in the media. Reported burglary is not what was stated. The two men didn't say we had reported these burglaries and thought that was the guy. No. They said there were there were burglaries. OK, again, we don't know. Stop making assumptions. Stop choosing sides when you have no idea. So great job, Daily Wire, for pointing out something that isn't necessarily proof of anything. Now it is it does raise questions. We can then ask the question, why don't you report the break ins? For the same reason, many victims don't report crimes. When someone breaks in your home and take something, what are you going to do about it? If you live in a small town and someone steals small items, you're really going to file a report. They're not going to do anything for you. Not everyone does. I'm from Chicago. This I know. I've had my garage robbed. I've had my bike stolen. And the cops say, shrug. You really want us to file a report? Sorry, it's gone. But more importantly, they say Glynn County Police Lieutenant Sherry Bashler told the outlet no burglars had been reported in the weeks before Arbery's shooting. Okay, interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll have to ask the, the two men what, why that is. And that the last similar crime reported in the neighborhood was an automobile burglary. Oh, <laughs> so there was a burglary. This happened at the end of February. On January 1st, someone stole a nine millimeter pistol from one of, from their vehicle, from the, from the Michael's vehicle. So, so, so hold on a minute. Let's think about this a second before I even get into the video evidence. A month before somebody had stolen a firearm from one of their vehicles. And you're wondering now why they thought this man might be armed. Were they stupid and overzealous? You better believe it. Just because someone said, I see a guy inside this house doesn't mean he's the guy who took your weapon. All right. You don't want to make that mistake. They did call 911 and then they they went to try and detain him. I can understand why they may have assumed he was armed because whoever was, you know, they believed was robbing people or at least just the one time if they were lying. Well, they stole the person stole a gun. So here we have a guy entering a property and then he runs. Let me let me actually go through uh, uh, how the Daily Beast frames this, because it seems like even the Daily Beast has no choice but to point out that it doesn't really look good for for Arbery. Now, again, I can say for the fifty billionth time, he shouldn't have died, but it's not murder; it's something else, probably manslaughter, negligent homicide. I think these two men are responsible for the death of Ahmed Arbery. Look, illegally entering or trespassing is not; it should not warrant a death sentence stealing a hammer should not warrant a death sentence. Don't go out with you know your weapons because you saw someone milling about on a construction property. But for people to act like this was an outright lynching of some sort, just stop. And I'm seeing conservatives say this too. To be fair, I think most of my followers that I've seen respond, like 95%, have a similar opinion to me. And it's probably why they follow me. And it's probably why people who follow these other conservatives aren't following me. But it's, we're in agreement. Like, dude, we all learned our lesson with, with all the fake news we've seen in the past. We got to chill out and wait on this one. But let's read the story from the Daily Beast. And let me show you what they say. They say Ahmed Arbery, 25, was running down a street in the city's Hatilla Shores neighborhood early in the afternoon of February 23rd when he caught the attention of Gregory McMichael, a former cop and investigator with the local district attorney's office. McMichael was sitting in his son, Travis's front yard. Travis, the guy is running down the street. Let's go. Let me stop you right there they're cutting out the early context. In the story that we have from the Atlanta Journal uh, Courier, is that what, I believe is what, what it's called, they mentioned that someone actually saw him in the house before the McMichaels ran. So I can only assume they had been informed, hey, there's a guy in this property, I think it's the guy maybe, and they got in their truck and went after him. Considering that previously a firearm had been stolen, I can't say I'm surprised they grabbed their weapons. You know what, man? It's still, look, manslaughter, I've, I'm not a prosecutor or a lawyer or anything like that, but this is why you leave things to the police, especially if you want to make sure you get justice, because this is not justice. This guy ended up dying. That is not justice. I'm sorry. That is absolutely not. But let's let's get back to reading the story. The men who are white said they suspected Arbery, who was black, might be connected to recent thefts in the neighborhood. Thefts in the neighborhood? I thought it was burglaries. They grabbed weapons and followed Arbery and Travis McMichael's pickup truck which bears the Gadsden flag and don't tread on me motto, and I don't care about that. A neighbor, William Bryan, joined the McMichaels in pursuing Arbery, according to the police. Soon after the trio confronted Arbery, according to Gregory McMichaels' account in the police report, Arbery turned toward Travis McMichaels' truck as he stopped and exited and struck Travis. Full stop. Not true. We have the video. You can argue, based on their statements, that they were following him and he refused to stop. You can argue they went ahead of him and then stopped. But in the video, and I can't show it, the, the uh, Arbery runs to the pickup truck. He's running towards the men, okay? They did not confront, they, they may have confronted him, but not, not when this fight broke out. That was different. Arbery turned toward Travis McMichael's truck as he stopped and exited and struck Travis. The Daily Beast even saying, Arbery went to this truck and struck Travis McMichael a video that circulated widely on Tuesday, and that Aubrey's aunt, Thea Brooks, said depicted her nephew, shows a black man and white man struggling both on and off screen as shots ring out, fighting over a weapon and a dude gets shot. But the video's provenance and whether it was the same footage shot by Brian that was cited by a local prosecutor who initially declined to press charges in connection with the shooting was unclear. Travis fired a shot, and then a second later, there was a second shot. The police report states at least two shots struck Arbury, the Glenn County coroner's office told the Daily Beast last week. Now, like I mentioned earlier, the prosecutors had something to the effect of the, the first one went through Arbury's hand because he had grabbed the weapon and then it went off. And he even said it may have only gone off because they were fighting over the weapon in the first place. The reason I bring that up is because if this is cold blooded murder, what you'd expect is the guy to take his, his gun and aim it at him and then make the decision to end his life. And that's not what happened. It was a fight over a weapon. They say Arbury died in the middle of the street where he fell and no one has been arrested or charged with the crime. But that's, that's not true. Yeah, there's an update, I should say. On Tuesday, District Attorney Tom Durden, the third prosecutor to tackle the killing, announced he would present the case to a grand jury. They have been arrested. So the Daily Beast goes on to say Arbury was not armed. What he had done was visit the foundation of a home being built. Full stop. No, we have the footage. He wasn't just visiting the foundation. Again, you can argue he simply saw a house and decided to go check that out and see what was going on. Look, man, I think you are desperate to defend this guy if you're going to act like him going into a private property to a fully formed house. This wasn't just a foundation. From the outside, in the GBI footage, we can see this house by any regular person's assessment, you can see right there in the top right. It is a fully built house as far as anyone's concerned. The inside is under construction. I'm sorry. He wasn't just visiting the foundation. I don't know what he was doing. I'm not going to accuse him of anything. Let's read on. They say what what, what he had done was visit the foundation of a home being built just down the street from Travis McMichael's home. A new structure whose owner, Larry English, told the Daily Beast he received a notification on his cell phone of someone on his property that day. He provided footage to the Daily Beast that Brooks, Arbury's aunt, identified as depicting her nephew. Okay, the Daily Beast now says they have, they have seen the evidence of him entering this home. And of course, you have already seen it as well. I don't know what he's doing in this video, but it gets more interesting when you take a look at this story. GBI reviewing additional video footage in Ahmaud Arbury case. Now I'm going to show you a still that people are bringing up that I think is also relevant. And again, there's gonna be a lot of questions here, but I'll tell you what, I do not expect us to ever actually know what happened because the court of public opinion and the pitchfork mob do not allow for facts. When conservatives like the Daily Wire are piling on and pushing the narrative without evidence, yeah, things are gonna get really bad. You need at least someone to try and demand the truth. But if you can't, if, if, if you're getting all the left line and then you get the, the, the Daily Wire people and, the, and other conservatives joining in the pile on, you know what, man? Don't be surprised if we never really find out what truly happened. But here we can see in this frame of the video. First, there's Arbury running towards the pickup. But you can see here there are two items in the road. I don't know what those items are. Could be a leaf. Could be some rocks. I have no idea. Many people have speculated that was him offloading what he had taken from the construction site. I don't know that. I will tell you my personal biased opinion as someone who lived in Chicago on the south side, where we often see these construction sites, very often when a building is being put together, there, there will be raw materials left behind overnight. It is common enough, especially where I grew up, for people to go in and try and take raw materials. Not just that, but sometimes power tools and other, other tools get left behind. These things can be worth money. Now I do think it's silly to try and insinuate he was taking a hammer because hammers cost like what four dollars. I really doubt the dude went to this house and was like, "Ooh, a four dollar hammer, let me take it." I think that's absurd. I don't want. I don't know what what those things are, but I'm just letting you know that's what people are speculating online, and they're trying to. They're also trying to argue he's wearing boots. Nah, I've watched the footage over and over again. It does not look like he's wearing boots. Some people have said, "Well, he's not wearing jogging clothes," and my response is like, "Bro." not everybody wears jogging clothes. You can go for a run in khaki shorts. I know it's silly. The point I'm trying to bring up is, as I've said a million times, we don't know. We don't. We really, really don't. But the most important issue here is that the activists on the left, of course, are going to spin this. They're going to try and get political points for it. And you know what? If it, I, don't, I don't know what the conservatives who are doing this are trying to gain from it, but it's, it's really annoying. Let me read this for you. They say GBI agents in the Ahmed Arbery murder investigation are reviewing additional footage from the Glen County neighbor, uh, neighborhood where he was shot to death as they piece together what happened. Investigators are reviewing the tape record, uh, recorded minutes before the, the killing. We are using video to put the timeline together to fill in the blanks of what happened this afternoon. The, the, the digital video file was obtained by the Atlanta Jer- Journal Constitution. Okay, so that's, that's what it is Atlanta Journal Constitution. From a source outside the GBI on Friday, and investigators confirmed it was part of the case file when the agency entered the case on Tuesday. We are indeed reviewing additional video footage and photographs as part of the active case. The video appears to be from a home security camera installed at a house about a block from the shooting. They say uh, a, a former Fulton County prosecutor who reviewed the video on Saturday said it doesn't appear to alter the criminal questions facing the two men arrested at the case. Lawyers representing Arbery's family said in a Saturday statement that the security camera video proves Arbury did nothing wrong to the, uh, prior to the fatal encounter. Ahmed Arbury did not take part in any felony and had no illegal substances in his system, was not armed yet, was shot three times the shotgun at close range. Yes, because a fight broke out of it. Yes, they, uh, this shows uh, it, this doesn't show evidence of a felony, but the family is clearly, you know, look, with all due respect, they're going to be defending this man, But it doesn't prove he did or didn't do a felony. In fact, it actually adds evidence to the possibility of a felony. If the argument is that these two men suspected a felony and we're going to make a citizen's arrest while entering private property and potentially stealing something after, you know, only a a few weeks after that, uh, seven weeks after a weapon had been stolen from their vehicle. Look, like I said, overzealous, stupid, should have waited, shouldn't have grabbed weapons, shouldn't have confronted him, should have just at at the very least or, or most they should have done just. Stay far behind and and watch where he's going, and let the police handle it. If they were really concerned about it, so they made a mistake, they made a serious mistake, and they took someone's life. So yes, there will be some kind of justice, but it's not what they are saying. Arbery's family said he liked to jog in the area. One of the armed men who confronted Arbery that day later told police they pursued him because they thought he had been involved in earlier break-ins. I it's weird to say he liked jogging in the area. I'm sorry. Why would you go jog in someone else's neighborhood? Why would you go for a jog in someone else's neighborhood? You go for a jog around your house. You go to the, you, you go to the trail. You go to the, uh, the, the canal. You go wherever. You don't go running in someone else's neighborhood and then enter, enter, enter a, a house under construction and then take off. The video shows a man wearing a white shirt and shorts who appears to be Arbery walking down, walking down Satilla Drive on that Sunday afternoon. It shows the man walk into the garage of a house under construction and then walk around the back of the house. The tape indicates that man was on the construction site less than five minutes, much of the time out of view of the camera. He did not appear to take anything from the house. Well, there you go. But he was there for several minutes. What he was doing, I don't know, but he wasn't jogging, walking, walking. People are going such desperate lengths trying to claim that this guy was out for a jog in someone else's neighborhood, seen walking and entering private property. Come on, you just you don't even play that game with me. Soon after the figure in shorts and t-shirts enter the construction property, a man wearing what appears to be overalls walks near a stand of trees across the street, and, a, and the figure appears to be observing the construction site. A minute later after a car passes, a figure that appears to be Arbery comes out of a front door of the house. Quickly, and runs down the road in the direction of Travis McMichael's home on Satilla Drive. Let me break that down for you. He walked. He was, he was in someone else's neighborhood, walking around, entered a building, was there for a few minutes. Another man walked up and was watching the building. Aubrey walks to the front door and then runs. You, you know what? You decide what you think that was. McMichael, 34, and his fathery, uh, father were charged Thursday with felony mur- murder. The surveillance video appears to describe what a witness reported to police and a 911 call. At 108 PM that Sunday, the Glen County 911 center received a report that a man was, was in the house under construction. The dispatcher responded. And you said, someone is breaking into it right now. He said, no, it's all open. It's under construction. And he's running right now. There he goes. Okay. What is he doing? He's running down the street. The dispatcher said she would send police. Somebody saw him enter the house. Somebody called the police. First thing they did. Arbery exits the house and then starts running. He wasn't running before he got to the house, but he was running after. Perhaps it was because someone was outside on the police on the phone with the police. That's just my opinion. I think it's fair speculation. Six minutes later, another call. Another person called nine one one to say there's a black male running down the street. Now that's a stupid thing to call for. The security video shows a person who appears to be Arbery continuing down Satilla Drive. Former Fulton prosecutor Mary Aurora, who reviewed the video, said entry of a construction site is not necessarily a crime. At most, it may be a misdemeanor unless anything was taken. Georgia law allows for a citizen's arrest in a felony crime committed in one's presence, said Aurora, who is currently a criminal defense attorney in Atlanta. But a citizen can only use reasonable force to detain a person and deadly force cannot be used unless it's to prevent a forcible felony or for self-defense. So the McMichaels were not in the right. They needed to be in the presence of, of the crime. They weren't. They went after the guy. Boy, did they really, really, really mess this up. And, they, and, they, and you know what? They took someone's life because of it. Listen, man, more evidence is going to come out. There will be a trial by jury. And I'll defer to them because, you know, or a presumable jury, maybe a judge trial. I don't know. I don't know all the evidence. Neither do you. Anybody right now trying to use this for political points is wrong and in the wrong period. We have, we have a very complicated case. Stories like this happen fairly often. And right now, as I record this video, There are dozens of other stories that are being brought up about other people who have been killed in similar or other disturbing ways that for some reason don't get press attention. The reason I bring this up for the most part is not because of these leftist activists who are rallying around this. It's because of the conservatives who are doing it, who are pushing the same BS lines, not cold-blooded murder. I'm sorry. Just a couple of morons who made a serious mistake, took someone's life and deserve to face justice. Felony murder. I think that's bold. I'm not a lawyer. I think they're going to have trouble proving intent. I think they can prove these guys acted negligently. I think they can prove these guys were stupid and approached a man with, with weapons. But I'm sick and tired of people acting like this is clear cut. And I'm sick and tired of people desperately trying to spin this to make it seem like Arbery was a saint. He wasn't a saint. He, In my opinion, my personal opinion, was likely doing something with malintent. I don't know it. I'm not going to pretend I know what his intentions were, but I don't understand why he'd be walking in someone else's neighborhood, going into private property, and then running when someone calls the cops. All right. That sounds suspicious to me, but the dude should not have died. I mean, seriously, if he got caught with this, what's the worst case scenario? He gets arrested, he spends a weekend in jail, and then he gets probation or something. Even if he gets that, it was trespass. It was trespass. Okay. Well, I I think the penalty in like Illinois for trespass is like the maximum penalty is a fine. But because of these two men jumping in their vehicle and going after him, perhaps there was really an event, you know, uh, and they, and they, it wasn't this guy. Maybe it was someone else. The point is everybody's lying to you all the time for political points. That's all that matters. Look, these stories are never cut and dry. It's never so simple. And you'd think people would have learned their lesson with all of the fake news. Sean King has put out with videos, like what happened with Covington kids. Now we have footage showing this dude, Actual, like, how do you justify this? The guy was in someone else's, you know, on someone else's property. Look at all these raw materials. Now, of course he didn't take anything, but these things have value. Like like I said, I really doubt he stole a hammer. People are trying to say that, but (laughs) why would you take a hammer? It's stupid. Four bucks. I'm going to put this on Craigslist and get a dollar for it. No, I really don't believe it. But the dude's not a saint. Arbery shouldn't have been doing what he was doing. But again, for the 50 billionth time, he shouldn't be dead. Absolutely not. So look, should these guys have been arrested early on? Honestly, I don't know. I really, really don't. Perhaps now, uh, I, I, th- I think I said before. You know, maybe they should have. But I, I honestly, thinking back to it now, it's like uh, I'm not entirely sure. I lean a little, little bit towards yes, but I'm reticent because there's just too much we don't know. That's just, that's what it's always about. So I'll tell you what. Normally, I wouldn't make videos about this kind of stuff, but considering the high-profile nature of it. I decided to go out I, I decided to highlight what's going on. And the reason I don't want to talk about it is because, like I said for the for the 800 million time, I have no idea. I have no idea, man. Stop don't don't believe the people who are gonna tell you they know for sure, who are gonna pander and be like a lynching, cold blooded murder. Nah. I grew up in the south side of Chicago, man. I can tell you about murder. I'll leave it there. I'll see you all at one PM on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. Most of you who watch my channel probably agree with me that MSNBC is complete trash, fake news, conspiracy nonsense, and CNN's pretty bad too. You can criticize everybody, but man, is MSNBC particularly bad. Take a look at this story. I knew nothing. Obama official Evelyn Farkas admitted she lied on MSNBC about collusion. That's right, for years. MSNBC saturated the airwaves and social media with insane conspiratorial nonsense. But you know this, it gets better. It gets better because basically Chris Hayes is now admitting that Democrat anti-Trump resistance people are completely unhinged. Well, he didn't say unhinged. He said there's a certain conspiratorial mindset. But we'll, we'll come back to this story because it's funny. I got to show you this very, very beautiful interview from The New Yorker in which Chris Hayes basically says, yeah, resistance Democrats are kind of nuts. And it's funny because he's part of the problem. I mean, he's the one or one of the people di- disseminating this ridiculous garbage out of his mouth and into their brains. Take a look at this passage from the interview in The New Yorker. I don't want to put MSNBC in the same category as certain other cable news networks at all. But do you think that cable news generally and MSNBC included have played some role in fostering a climate where paranoia about the other side or hyperpartisanship, or conspiracy theorizing can find a common ground? Now, this is preliminary. It gets juicy. Just wait for it. He said, I think it's actually fairly endemic and part of human information processing at all times. Now, this is Chris Hayes. I don't know. I think that's often the way that we make sense of the world. If you go back and you look at Pro stuff, and essentially the kind of combination of dirty tricks and surveillance the FBI was using on Black Panthers and others, one of the effects was that it drove them nuts. They all started going a little crazy and getting super paranoid. But that was part of the point of it. So I also don't want to take the agency away from the actual actor here, which is the Russian government doing these things in 2016 that really had very profound tangible effects and have produced some amount of craziness and paranoia. I don't want to lose sight of their agency in producing that state of affairs. I think that in some ways was the seed that has flowered into whatever we're dealing with now. Oh, it's so good. MSNBC, Chris Hayes, in a statement, in an interview where he goes on to say the Democrats have lost it, pushes Russian conspiracy nonsense, but it gets better. The interview says, But there's also a certain brand of resistance Democrat who, from watching MSNBC or from certain things on Twitter, can get into a more conspiratorial mindset. And then Chris Hayes says it. There is absolutely a subculture of conspiratorial thinking among Democrats or the broad anti-Trump coalition. I would 100% concede that. That is born of a lot of things. I think, again, I do think I'm just speaking for myself. And this is, I don't know, the world's confusing. And I don't feel like I know all the answers. What I try to do to the best of my ability, I know that I fail all the time, is to try to maintain the best habits of mind, if that makes sense. You literally just blamed this on Russia. Oh, man, talk about complete and total garbage. Let me show you something very, very hilarious. What's this, Chris Hayes? You are just trying to, you know, tell people what's happening, bro. You are pushing insane conspiracy trash. Take a look at this video, Trump and the Russians with Chris Hayes and his concerned look on TV. What's this video titled? Could President Donald Trump be a Russian intelligence asset? All in MSNBC here, here, good sir. So I can appreciate that Chris Hayes comes out and straight up admits that the resistance Democrats, that there absolutely is a subculture of conspiratorial thinking. Whose fault is that? Thank you for admitting it, by the way. In the same breath, he was actually pushing Russia conspira- conspiracy nonsense, but at least we're getting a little bit of honesty. As I stated the other day, the only difference between you know any other conspiracy website and MSNBC at this point is that MSNBC is corporate and protected. They're, they're, they're fringe conspiracy trash, and everyone knows it. Well, Glenn Greenwald went on a Twitter thread talking about the fake news and the Russiagate. And for it, they kind of uh, <laughs> they kind of dragged him. I'm going to pull up his, uh, his actual Twitter thread on this. This is him coming out against Jonathan Chait. This is funny. David Frum took the quote from Glenn Greenwald, where he said, the indisputable reality is Molly Hemingway, Chuck Ross DC, and a handful of other journalists skeptical of Russiagate conspiracy theories were far more reliable then CIA mouthpieces at CNN, MSNBC, and the Washington Post, who got rich with books and showered themselves with awards. And then I love it. Jonathan Chait says, Greenwald just said it's indisputable. I guess we can't dispute it. Glenn Greenwald's response, yes, completely indisputable. If I had done this, I'd hide in shame for eternity. And Glenn then shows the MSNBC segment, Chait, unlikely but possible that Trump has been a Russian intel asset since 1987. Here's Jonathan Chait's article. Will Trump be meeting with his counterpart or his handler? A plausible theory of mind-boggling collusion. All of these media outlets pushing this insanity no look, i'm not I'm not uh, uh, advocating for YouTube or any other social media platform to go out and ban all of these people. That'd be a violation of, in my opinion, the right to free speech. I'm not talking about the First Amendment. I'm talking about their right to express themselves as they see fit. But you could at least stop propping this up YouTube, and they do. But you know what? Fine, whatever. I want to show you this thread from Glenn Greenwald where he actually breaks down what's going on. And uh, when he says that there was, it's the original tweet where he got criticized for it. When he calls out some good journalists, he also ends up calling out some good left-wing journalists. Before I read this, though, I'm going to give a shout out to myself. Take a look at this channel. It is my main channel. You can click in the link below. It's timcast.net. will automatically redirect you to my main channel. And the reason I'm doing this is you may have noticed in many of my segments, I'll say, hey, make sure you go to this, you know, youtube.com slash timcast. It is a different channel. A lot of people I get messages all the time from people saying, I don't understand. I thought this was the channel. No, I have multiple channels. I have three, technically four. So go to timcast.net and you will be pleasantly surprised, m- many of you, with a channel you may not be familiar with. Subscribe if you want more content every day at 4 p.m. But let's read uh, Glenn Greenwald's thread here. So I read you the first one already, that he was praising these conservatives. This is a story from The Federalist. Now, the Federalist gets a negative rating, a very, very bad rating from NewsGuard. You can see here just red X's across the board. But Glenn Greenwald's right. The Federalist was way more reliable than CNN and MSNBC and The Washington Post. Some media bias works. MSNBC, can put insane conspiracy trash on TV. Chris Hayes can admit that the people who watch his show have lost it and are conspiracy minded. You can have, he can have someone on the show saying Trump's working for the Russian intel since the 80s, which is just nuts. And NewsGuard will say it's A-OK. And YouTube will put him on the front page. And everything they say is just totally fine. But Alex Jones, of course, he goes one step too far. You want to know why this is dangerous, in my opinion? I don't care if Alex Jones wants to come out and say, they're turning the freaking frogs gay. I don't care. What, 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 what are you worried about with that? Someone's going to watch that. They're going to laugh. Some people are going to believe it. And what what Jones was saying was based in some reality atrazine. It's, 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 it's complicated, right? The point I'm making is, if If Alex Jones wants to come out and start ranting about fifth dimensional aliens and all this you know crazy conspiracy nonsense, stuff, I don't care because that doesn't really have I understand it can have an impact on the world, but most people disregard it. When Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes go on TV and start screeching about the Russians, that's close enough to reality that more people really believe this. so the the point I'm trying to say is, I know Alex Jones has said some kooky stuff. And I'm not super concerned about a bunch of people who believe that there's a bunch of gay frogs everywhere. I know I'm being a little bit hyperbolic. But what's disconcerting is when Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes go on their show. They're supported by the mainstream. They're supported by YouTube. So people believe this is credible. And then they just spew out this word vomit into our ears. And people believe it. And even Chris Hayes says, yes, these people believe conspiracies. They do because of you, man. So here's what Glenn Greenwald said. There were a small group of journalists on the left and the right. Aaron J. Mattei, Matt Taibbi and Michael Tracy were also among them, whose reporting and questioning were vindicated while the roster of ex-security state agents and award-drenched CIA dupes spread falsehoods and lies for years. Whether the Russiagate conspiracy theories were true never had anything to do with ideology or politics. It was only about evidence. But the U.S. elite media is so polarized along partisan lines, especially those who feign neutrality, that it became the tribal litmus test. The refusal of the CNN, MSNBC, Washington Post, CIA media to cover the devastating new evidence impugning key Russiagate pieties proves what they were doing, not journalism, but propagandizing. Covid nineteen is no excuse, but they cover other things. Their audience don't know about the uh, don't know these docs exist. And what did we get from Brian Stelter, this good reliable sources Sunday? He goes on his show and he pulled one of those stupid. I don't know what it is. Someone at CNN must be advising them on how to speak. But uh, Brian Stelter basically says right wing media it cares more about Michael Flynn than they do about uh, about Covid. But he did it in the same way that Don Lemon did his stupid. You know, Trump jealous of Obama. I don't know if you saw the segment, but uh I'll bear with me on this one as as I try to break it down for you because there's some pausing. But Don Lemon goes, uh, Trump, why uh why do you hate Obama so much? Is it because he's more successful than you? What about Melania? Do you hate Michelle because she's prettier? What is it? And it's it's this weird drawn-out technique. And Brian Stelter did something very similar. On his show, he's like I can't believe it. What we're dealing with is a New Orleans every day, a nine eleven every day. And these people in right wing media, sad to see, they came more more about the Flynn case. Yeah, 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 we gre- we get it. You guys are trash reality television. This is not a defense of anyone. i love I love how uh, this culture war stuff is always like if you call them out, you must be defending someone else. I didn't bring up any other news outlet, so keep that in mind. Glenn Greenwald then goes on to say, there is absolutely a subculture of conspiratorial thinking among Democrats or the broad anti-Trump coalition. I would 100% concede that. Chris Hayes today, which was the, the, uh, the first interview that I showed you. Chris Hayes just come out and straight up saying it. Well, let's get to the core here. What's really going on? This is a story from MRC Newsbusters. I knew nothing. Obama official Evelyn Farkas admitted she lied on MSNBC about collusion, and she wasn't the only one. They kept lying, and these people don't care. I think it's really funny, the Brian Stelter thing, where he's like, right-wing media cares more about Michael Flynn than COVID. Bro, you can talk about more than one thing. Glenn Greenwald basically said it. You can talk about two things. Donald Trump, Brian Stelter calls out Trump saying, for the first 20 minutes of his call, He's talking about Flynn and and it's and it's shocking. Uh-huh. And it was a longer call than that. He also brought up the 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 case of the guy in Georgia. Donald Trump talked about many things on this phone call. It's funny because it's like they pull one clip of Trump saying something like you know, uh, the Flynn case was a total sham. And it's like, how dare he talk about that and not COVID? And it's like, bro, he did talk about COVID. You can't take an hour long interview, pull one section and then say, why is he talking about this? It's a, it's a shame he's not talking about something else. In that one clip, yeah, bro, CNN is trash. And so was MSNBC. Look at what they were propagating. Newsbusters says, Sean Davis of The Federalist reports a newly declassified transcript uh a transcript of congressional testimony showing former Obama administration defense official Evelyn Farkas testifying under oath that she lied during an MSNBC Morning Joe interview when she claimed to have evidence of alleged Trump collusion with the Russians. Farkas served as the deputy assistant secretary of defense for Russia, Ukraine, and Eurasia from 2012 through 2015. She's currently one of eight Democrats running for Congress in New York's 17th district, seeking to replace Nita Lowy, who's retiring. On March 2nd, 2017, she told Micah Brzezinski, I was urging my former colleagues and frankly speaking, the people on the Hill. It was more actually aimed at telling the Hill people, get as much information as you can, get as much intelligence as you can before President Obama leaves administration, because I had a fear that somehow that information would disappear with the senior people who left. So it would be hidden away in the bureaucracy that the Trump folks, if they found out how we knew what we knew about their the staff, the Trump staff dealing with the Russians, that they would try to compromise those sources and methods. She added, and we, we would no longer have access to that intelligence. Not enough was coming out into the open, and I knew there was more. Now, fast forward to Farkas testifying before the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence on June 26, 2017, and the story changes under oath. Quote, why don't we go back to that sentence that I just asked you about? It says the Trump folks, if they found out how we knew uh, what we knew about their staff dealing with Russians, Gowdy said, well, how would you know what the US government knew at that point? You didn't work for it, did you? I didn't, said Farkas, a former mid-level Russian analyst who left the federal government. Then how did you know, Gowdy responded. I didn't know anything, Farkas said. Did you have information connecting the Trump campaign to the hack of the DNC? No. So when you say we knew, the reality is you knew nothing. Correct. Farkas responded. Gaudi didn't stop there. So when you say knew, what you really meant was felt. Correct. Farkas answered. You didn't know anything. That's correct. Farkas responded. Thank you for vetting your sources, MSNBC. Now think about it this way. If Farkas, a former government official, went to the New York Times and the New York Times published a story saying evidence exists that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians, according to former you know White House administration official people would be like, whoa, here she said it. In fact, news media could have taken that interview and ran just like that because it's true. Former government official says evidence exists and we know more that hasn't been released. Shocking development. It's not news. She made it up. She lied and then under oath, admitted it. And MSNBC just puts it right out there. And everyone gets to swim around in the muck in the mire. That's, that seems pretty representative of the emptiness of the Russia collusion hype of 2017 and 18. The liberals knew it was there and pretended it was going to result in Trump's imminent resignation or impeachment and removal. In public, Farkas was already backing off her boasting by the end of March 2017. On March 30th, the anchors on CNBC's Squawk Box were pressing. Joe Kernan said, you actually, actually said that. I knew there was more. I became very worried because not enough was coming out into the open. And I knew that there was more. And then you actually said, that's why you have all the leaking to make sure we get it out. I mean, people are accusing you, Evelyn, of admitting that was surveillance, admitting that there was unmasking and urging people, or at least saying that intelligence leaking, which could be a felony, is the way that it should get out. And you weren't even part of the government at that point. Farkas doubled down and denied everything. No. So I was referring to the motivation. But this is the trash you get from cable news. So when Chris Hayes is asked and he says there is conspiratorial thinking, do you know what's missing from that? There's one line missing from this. He says there is absolutely subculture of conspiratorial thinking. I 100% concede that period. And now let's just the next sentence says there uh, that is born of a lot of things. Then there should be a gap where he says, and I'm sorry, because a lot of it comes from me. When I have on insane people saying insane things and people watch this, whether intentionally or in passing, and then go on to believe insane and delusional, paranoid conspiracy theories, which negatively impacts their lives and who they might vote for. That comes from me, says Chris Hayes. But that's not a real quote. He didn't say that. He said, "You know, it's born of a lot of things." I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, stutter and stammer, and then says, "I know I fail at times." Oh yes, yes, you fail at times. Putting on uh, uh, Jonathan Chait, could President Trump be an asset of the Russians? Let me show you what's all what's all, what's all about. NBC president declared we are winning war with the White House, and fired one week later. Good. This is another story from Newsbusters saying that on April 27th, NBC News president Andy Lack published a haughty op-ed for the network's website Think. It was titled, Journalism is under attack from coronavirus and the White House, but we are winning. One week week after this op-ed was published, Lack was fired by NBC News. Well, because they're, 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 they're lying and they're full of it. We know they're lying. We know ABC covered up that one really, really big story. But for the sake of this video, I won't bring up. But you know what I'm talking about. Amy Roback, Project Veritas uncovered this. We know that NBC News was actively trying to quash a story about a Hollywood producer gone. Well, a really awful, awful man. We know that several other people in NBC News have been removed because of major scandals. And now there's a story circulating that apparently New York, I believe, is investigating NBC News for more harassment and scandals. So it's no surprise to see a high ranking NBC individual then get up and claim that they're fighting a war with the White House and winning. I don't care what you think you're doing. Journalists aren't supposed to be at war with the president. You just do news. You're supposed to be an arbiter of facts. They're not. They think they're the arbiters of truth, but they're not. And they they should be. They're not. Now, there's no such thing as a perfect journalist, right? But what journalists should be doing is when Donald Trump says something, showing what he says and providing context and, you know, and, and, and analysis. So what they're really doing is misleading context and false framing and then using manipulative analysis. So here's here's what should happen. Donald Trump will say something at a press event. He says something like, you know, hydroxychloroquine may or may not work, but I'm hopeful. There you go. Publish his statement and you're done. That's news. The other journalists should then ask a question. You know, how hopeful are you? Do you think this will really work? What, What do you want to say to that? What more could be said? Trump's position was clear. Instead, what we get are journalists who snip things out of context and mislead to get clicks because they're at war with Trump. They don't care to actually give you the facts and let you know what Trump said, what he was trying to uh, to explain, or what may or may not be happening. They're not helping you understand what's happening. They're helping confuse the situation, and they're trying to deceive you so that they can sell your eyeballs to advertisers. Journalists should take the information and, to the best of their abilities, help you understand it. They don't. They are misleading you. That's what. What. That's it. There's no reason for MSNBC to claim Trump was an asset of of uh, of Vladimir Putin. So why would they? They want the ratings, man. So they bring on this absurdity, you know? CNN does the same thing. I'm not saying Fox News doesn't, but Tucker Carlson tends to do a pretty good job. It's pretty straightforward stuff. So for the time for the time being, I think, you know, biased as I may be, when Tucker Carlson comes out very early on calling out COVID and he was correct. When Fox News repeatedly said Russia Gate was BS. Perhaps it was just their tribalism defending Trump. Doesn't matter. They were right. And MSNBC and CNN were just wrong every step of the way. And the newspapers. So who are you going to trust now moving forward? You decide. I'll let you pick whoever you want to trust. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. As I mentioned, at timcast.net. Click that. It'll bring you to my other YouTube channel and you will see a video at 4 p.m. Check it out. Subscribe. And I will see you all then. Riot police in Berlin clash with hundreds of protesters chanting freedom and pepper spraying them. And man, it it is not a good look, Germany, when your riot police in full tactical gear are suppressing people chanting freedom. I know, I know. I'm not trying to make any comparisons, but come on, man. The lockdowns in the US are unconstitutional. They they really are. Look, I understand people are concerned about our, our health and safety, but it is a fact when New York City says that they're locking things down and you can't protest, that's a violation of the First Amendment. Safety is irrelevant in the context of the Constitution. It doesn't say the right to assemble shall only be infringed if the government can justify some health issue. No, freedom is freedom. So over in Berlin, you'd think they would have certain freedoms as well, but not necessarily. They're dealing with many of the same things. And these protests aren't just happening in the US or in Berlin. They're happening in Australia as well. And a lot of journalists are upset because many of these people who are coming out demanding freedom are also waving signs of some kind of conspiracy and stuff like that. But it just goes to show you that these people have lost confidence in the establishment, in the government, and in the press. So what does that say about the media themselves? Let's read the story. The Daily Mail says, riot police clashed with hundreds of protesters in Berlin yesterday during a demonstration against coronavirus lockdown in Germany. Despite the central government easing lockdowns on Wednesday, Infected cases have begun to rise in Germany again, with some states saying they will not lift measures if the numbers continue to spike. Overall infections rose by 1,251 yesterday. In Berlin, hundreds of protesters swarmed Alexanderplatz, defying the government's limit of 50 people for outside gatherings, clashing with riot officers and shouting, Wir sind das Volk. We are the people and Freiheit, freedom. We can see a photo. This is a a woman being arrested. Germany is not necessarily, well, no, I'm going to avoid getting overly political on Germany again, because I don't know enough about their politics. But uh, let's just keep reading. Here we can see this photo. Police officers pepper spray protesters during a demonstration. You can see, I mean, these guys are wearing full gear like you'd see in the US. People are filming. It looks like a very typical protest that I've seen. We can see in this photo, it looks like they are practicing some kind of social distancing. A general view shows a demonstration against the restrictions implemented to limit the spread of the coronavirus at the grounds of the Wassen Festival in Stuttgart, southern Germany. Here's a man being arrested. Protester is detained by police officers. They say across the country, over 3000 people were reported to have descended on Munich and thousands more flocked to Stuttgart, incensed by the government's management of the pandemic. Unlike Berlin, these demonstrations were largely peaceful. They accused politicians of drawing out the restriction on movement and argued that the actions infringed on their human rights. The central German government, headed by Chancellor Angela Merkel, eased lockdown on Wednesday after consistently reporting decreasing numbers. Data revealed by the Robert Koch Institute today showed an increase of confirmed cases. We already read that, thanks. So here we can see many, many more photos, many, many more protesters. Concerns have also been raised at the country's R number, the rate at which the virus spreads from each person reached by reached 1.1 by RKI today, Deutsche Well reported. Protesters in Munich were largely nonviolent, according to Deutsche Well, and police decided not to disperse the group. They blared out social distancing advice on loudspeakers which was ignored. A group of 25 right-wing protesters also tagged along to the demonstration and were moved on by authorities. In Stuttgart, protesters largely followed social distancing guidelines according to reports. So look, I, I highlight this just because, as I mentioned, there's a kind of, I don't know, absurdity of people demanding freedom in Germany of all places and getting pepper sprayed by police. But what we're seeing with these lockdowns in the United States, very similar to these protests as well. Well, I'm going to go ahead and go there. I don't understand, as I, as I, I stated this in, in a couple of videos, why conservatives would defend certain policies of New York. I have called New York overtly racist many, many times. And for some reason, there's a small subset of conservatives who are like, no, it's not. Stop saying that. I'm like, dude, it is. It is. Why are you defending this Democrat run town for its gun control policies and the horrifying things they've been doing? Stop defending them. If they're racist, they're racist. Now, I think for the most part, New York City is classist and that overlaps a bit with some racism. But I do think the city is 100% racist. Now, I don't know. Look, let me put it this way. Mayor Bill de Blasio doubles New York City's non-police social distancing ambassadors after the NYPD was accused of discriminatory enforcement. Yeah, they are. The Washington Post says social distancing enforcement is ramping up. So is concern that black and Latino residents may face harsher treatment. They are. I'm not necessarily going to say it's because of their race, but let me tell you something. When the NYPD shows up to a Jewish funeral and chases down a hearse and arrests some Orthodox Jews for practicing their religion, First Amendment, mind you, I have to ask questions about why they're not doing the same thing in the parks in Manhattan and and Brooklyn where all of the white people are gathering. I think it's about class and wealth, and I think it's about what they think they can get away with in terms of their election. So it's not necessarily, in my opinion, racist or based on ethnicity or anything like that. I think what happens is Bill de Blasio looks at the demographics and he says, I don't care about these communities. So when the police go there and start patrolling and arresting people, he says, you know, good. Okay, great. You know, stop people from breaking the rules. When it comes to Prospect Park, where he was jogging with his wife, he's like, I got to be careful. These are the people that vote for me. And that's why things get bad. It's about demographics and who he thinks who he thinks will actually end up voting for him. Who has power? Who has money? I believe, for the most part, it is class based. But I bring up the race issue because from that you end up with disproportionate enforcement of minority communities. So it's not racist in the sense that Bill De Blasio is going like yeah, ha, ha, and then targeting these these communities. It's more so that he just doesn't care. I mean, look, he, goes, he specifically called out the Jewish community. Meanwhile, they're talking about like, providing resources for mosques and things like that. It's all about what he thinks will get him elected. So he neglects some communities and he gives privileges to others. That's what ends up happening. So now, we're, now he's apparently going to be adding these, these ambassadors. I don't care, dude. I don't know who you think you are suspending the First Amendment saying no protests allowed. But if people want to protest, they're legally allowed to. The government cannot infringe that right. So I wonder what's going on here. Let me read this. They say, after an outcry over racial disparities in New York City's enforcement, Mayor Bill de Blasio plans Sunday to double the ranks of non-police workers trying to persuade people to comply with the policy, and they don't have to. You can try and persuade them. First Amendment, try harder. It says, more and more, the emphasis will be on a communicative, encouraging approach, the Democrats said, while noting that enforcement through ticketing will still be there when needed. Look at these photos, the number of city workers deployed, blah, blah, blah. We, we, we've seen all these photos. An NYPD squad, uh, squad car patrols around St. Mary's Park in South Bronx, one of the areas which critics said were more aggressively enforced for COVID social distancing restrictions. The city didn't immediately have information on social distancing arrests or summonses. De Blasio reiterated, there have been relatively few under 10 summonses, blah, blah, blah. New York City Police Department data released Friday showed that of the 374 summonses issued through May 5th for violating orders, 52% were given to Black people and 30% to Hispanic people. Now, a lot of people point out the first thing they go to is maybe the Hispanics or the or, uh, or the Black community are violating social distancing more, right? Let me break this down for you and explain to you the problem of New York City. The city is mostly not black, not Hispanic, not Jewish, okay? I think it's actually not necessarily a majority white, but I'm saying these communities don't make up a massive proportion. So if 52% are given to black people and 30% to Hispanic people, boy, they must really be breaking social distancing, right? Because of the lower number of people relative to, say, whites or or other communities. No, the city doesn't care. When, they, when it comes to the parks, they issued like four, uh, 43 tickets to like everybody in Central Park. You see it all over, uh, all over social media, people saying, I look out my window and people are just going about their business like nothing's happening. So if you're going to see a photo like this, the number of, well, they're not actually talking about what the photo is, but we've seen tons of photos of people walking around in wealthier areas of Manhattan and having no problems. Prospect Park, very few problems. Central Park, very few problems. South Bronx, there's a problem. Why? OK, maybe it's because the people in Manhattan comply with the police instantly and the people in South Bronx don't. We can make a lot of we, we can make up a lot of reasons. But the point is, New York City has awful policies. They don't work. They're violating the constitutional rights of everybody. And I'll tell you what, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna give a shout out to all of these summonses that went to the black and Latino community. You know why? At the very least, it says that these people were standing up for their rights. I know it might sound a little bit silly, but yeah, come on, man, let's be real. If the cops are coming out and breaking their oath to defend the Constitution, violating the law of this country, they are criminals, as far as I'm concerned. But de Blasio can't do what he's claiming he can do. You can't give someone a ticket, fine them, or arrest them because they're outside. I'm sorry, the Constitution doesn't allow that. The government can't do that. So if you're disproportionately targeting minority communities, sure, or perhaps these people disproportionately told the cops to go F off because they didn't do anything wrong and they didn't. But we'll keep seeing it um, for a couple reasons. For one, you've got social justice leftists who are absolutely going to call this out. But you know what? Hey, man, I'm never going to defend New York City. Uh, Maybe I'll defend them for something. I don't want to be absolute. But New York is an awful place. It's why I left. They got a lot of problems, man. And it's not necessarily rooted in race, as much as many of people on the left would want to tell you. But there is an overlap because of race and class. It does happen. So, the NYPD wants to violate pe- people's rights, then you know what? 100% call them out. But I'll do, I'll, I'll do you one better. I don't care about the race of the person getting their rights violated. They're all getting their rights violated, period. I think we're going to see a wave of lawsuits once this starts wrapping up. We're probably going to see a wave of lawsuits even now. I guess we'll see how it plays out. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Social media companies are biased, and the far-left bias is destroying them in many ways. Now, they'll probably survive, and they'll probably continue to grow and make more money, but they are being hurt in a lot of ways. We've seen the rise of alternatives, notably Minds.com and BitChute, which have done very, very well as people flee certain platforms looking for alternatives. But now we can see one of the best examples of how unchecked bias is destroying some of the biggest social networks. Of course, you can see that some people have left YouTube. Many people watch my content on BitChute, for instance. You may be watching my video there. I don't do anything. It automatically syncs up. Cool. So you can go watch it. Over on Reddit, the world politics subreddit has completely collapsed. This was a subreddit, a forum that had 1.2 million subscribers. Now it is just porn. It is porn and memes. You know why? Well, they'll argue now. It's just free speech. So we let whatever happen happen. No, the subreddit was so biased that people were seeing overt rule breaking posts and no enforcement on the rules. And so they said, F it and just went nuts. And now everybody is piling into r slash world politics and posting whatever they want. It seems like a bunch of people started posting cartoon nudity. And then the funny thing is, some, somebody made a subreddit called r slash anime titties, which was dedicated to discussing world politics, because Reddit is dying. So long as the moderators are biased and the ridiculous orange man bad narrative persists, this website will continue to circle the drain. And now I can show you the evidence and you'll get a kick out of it. This is a story from Distractify. They say the subreddit world politics is currently a huge mess. One of the most popular communities on Reddit, is quickly spiraling out of control. The page, which touts itself as a free speech political subreddit with no agenda and few rules, has recently become a breeding ground for not safe for work posts featuring porn and hentai. That's anime, a- anime and manga pornography. And members are blaming the moderators. So what happened? On Wednesday, a user on the subreddit asked if anyone knew what was going on with World Politics, which has 1.2 million members. It seems everything is a mods asleep post, yet it's a massive subreddit that I wouldn't expect this from. In the responses, most users agreed the moderators weren't doing their jobs, which allowed for all sorts of bizarre and inappropriate posts to gain traction. The top few posts are mostly the exact same image with the exact same title, which are posted by karma farmers, along with other obviously bait posts that gain thousands of upvotes. I don't know if they get into it, but it was specifically like upvote this photo of Donald Trump with Jeffrey Epstein, blah, so that when people Google it, clearly a violation of the rules going unenforced. Let me break this down for you. On Twitter, we have seen it over and over again. A conservative will post something and get nuked, and a leftist will post something and none, no one cares. Sometimes there's enforcement on the left, some leftists, like anti-war leftists, do get purged. Activists, for instance, Anti, I mean, the anti-war activists. But then many mainstream leftist and resistance types went nuts, like during the Covington fiasco. No enforcement. This is what happens when that no enforcement reaches its logical conclusion. Eventually, people think the, the platform has become completely useless and just start spamming garbage. Twitter got dangerously close. As people started leaving, eventually someone's going to be like, there's no value here. I'll just post a potato or some dumb image or rule breaking posts. And many people did. Fortunately for Twitter, they survived. Let's read. They say, according to another user, the channel's steep decline began a few days ago when a picture of President Donald Trump was continuously being reposted with the text, upvote this picture of of Trump looking dumb. These posts, aside from not being world politics, angered the users as they break Reddit rule number four, which states that asking for votes or engaging in vote manipulation is strictly prohibited. Despite demands from users to mods to remove these rule-breaking posts, the moderators refused. In retaliation, the users determined that if the mods aren't going to do their job completely, they may as well not do it at all. Think about what happened to the Donald subreddit. If you don't follow or know, they actually left Reddit and created their own. This is another example of mainstream social media dying. What you get now when you go on Reddit.com is nothing but leftist propaganda. And I'll tell you why. I don't think it's a grand conspiracy. I think it's a bias. The moderators become biased. The administrators are biased. We have seen major scandals where the CEO of Reddit actually was manipulating the text of comments, manipulating the database of the website. Could you imagine if you posted something on Facebook the next day it said something different? It would be insane. But here's what happens. As this bias persists, conservatives get bored and angry and leave. As they leave, it's dominated by more and more left-wing voices. So if you have all of the users of the Donald only going to the Donald.win, which is where they're headquartered now, then you will not see those people upvoting or downvoting other comments and posts on Reddit, thus creating an even more profound polarization. Now it's just the most annoying thing in the world. This is what happened. So, you know, maybe it's a good thing. I think some Donald users have mentioned that they should upvote this stuff so that people get tired of it and are sick of seeing the BS. Here you go. When the subreddit's bias was so palpable that people couldn't take it anymore, they just started posting potatoes. And once that got out of control, other people from other subreddits came in and started posting nonsense, completely destroying a community of 1.2 million users. They say, uh, uh, here, here you go. Since the rules apparently don't matter anymore, upvote this potato. That started a trend of members posting random and sometimes vulgar content just to spite the moderators, like one user sharing a photo potato. The commenter added, it appears the mods have now accepted their fate as mere bystanders as the sub devolves into flames. Can you say dumpster fire? They go on to mention that Steve Huffman actually went in to manipulate stuff. They, well, they start with this. CEO Stephen, uh, Steve Huffman received backlash over his response to a question about the website's policies on hate speech. When a user asked, is obvious open racism, including slurs against Red's rules or not? Uh, uh, the entrepreneur replied, it's not. He added on Reddit, the way in which we think about speech is to separate behavior from beliefs, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Listen, if Reddit wants to post, if, if Reddit wants to allow certain posts, I don't care. If certain people want to comment things, I don't care. You upvote or downvote. The problem with Reddit is that it's so simplistic. It's that you have to reach a certain number to get seen. And, and if you fall below a, ther- a certain threshold of people co- voting on your content, it disappears, meaning that Reddit is the perfect engine to push people down a rabbit hole. I know, I know. Hold on. I like to say YouTube makes a rabbit hole, blah, blah. It doesn't. On YouTube, you have to choose. Think about what happens on uh, on Reddit. Somebody posts a comment and it's either up or down. That's it. No in between. I mean, there kind of is an, 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 an in between. But as people try to earn karma and points for their posts, they try to one up each other. And this is exactly how you could, how you, how you could have expected Reddit to go. As more and more people realize that pro-leftist stuff was doing, was doing really, really well, probably because Reddit purged conservatives, thus creating an imbalance, where now, I'll put it this way. If you have five conservatives and seven liberals, guess which post will always be on top and which posts will always be gone. The conservatives, even though they're almost the same number, can never get enough votes. They post something five up, seven down. Post is gone. Liberal post something seven up, five down. The post rises to the top. New people come in and see what works. And the only thing they get then is leftist propaganda. And it makes them go insane for the people who use the platform. I would like to bring you to my favorite example of this r slash politics. Six million subscribers. And it is very close to going the way of world politics. You can come here and see that they just throw up activist, activist, activist websites. Now, to be fair, they do real use real uh, websites. They use Newsweek and The Independent, which are left biased for sure. But often you'll see things like common dreams, common dreams an overt activist website appearing on top political discourse. I don't see Breitbart. Of course not. You won't see the DC Examiner. You're not going to see Breitbart. You're not going to see the Daily Caller. You're not going to see the Daily Wire. You will see left-wing, left-leaning websites, and you will see leftist propaganda websites. When this happens, conservatives leave because no matter what they post, it gets obliterated or removed. They can only go somewhere else, perhaps r slash conservative or r slash the Donald. All six million of these users then, passive users, come here and see nothing but leftist propaganda. And maybe that's by design. Maybe that's exactly what they want. F- far be it from me to tell them they can't have what they want if they're upvoting it. But this is a problem with the way Reddit was designed. I don't know how you fix that problem because certain posts will go up and go down and it just depends on what people prefer. And because conservatives have been you know, banned and removed and started leaving, the left is now in a dominant position. But I'll tell you what's going to happen. You are going to see them go the way of world politics, where you'll start seeing things like this. Sniper monkeys arrive in US. Vuvuzela blowing beavers from Chile are close behind. I look forward to these posts hitting the r slash politics subreddit because they will, because the rules don't matter. That's how it's been for a long time. R slash news has also been very, very biased. They say You can only submit uh, content from domains that are on the whitelist. Common dreams on the whitelist? Are you nuts? It's not a news website. How can you have an honest political discussion when you're putting overt propaganda in here but banning conservative websites? So yes, there will come a time when people flood politics and the moderators won't be able to do anything about it. They'll lock the subreddit and then it will collapse. But I think the big issue is that conservatives don't care. They don't come here. They go other, other places. The problem then becomes regular users going on Reddit and being inundated with this trash. Look at it this way. 57,000 people online. I don't think they they actually have that many moderators, about 60 moderators. If there are 60 moderators and 60 people showed up, just 60 people, and posted 60 posts, I assure you all those moderators aren't active. They'd have to go through it. So it's only a matter of time before the consistent rule breaking of one of the biggest subreddits causes it to collapse. I'm sorry I take that back. It's actually already happened. World politics was one of the biggest. How long until you think that this this subreddit goes so far left, it just completely collapses? I'd imagine it'd be soon. But I'll leave it there. I don't use it anymore. Man, I remember when politics actually, you could actually get a good discussion. But the moderators now just, it's just all leftist. You get get what you get, man. And eventually it's going to go so far left, it'll just implode. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. We wrap up this fine Sunday with some good old media bashing. And who better to lead the charge than the president himself, Donald Trump tweeting that Brian Stelter of CNN is just a poor man's lapdog for AT&T. You know what, man? Brian Stelter has been getting worse and worse. And it's sad, really. Cuz I don't got a problem with someone being a partisan and being biased. I'm biased, I've got my, my 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 focus. I'm constantly ragging on Democrats, much to uh, you know a lot of people get bored and tired of it. It's a different channel. If you want to check it out, go to timcast.net. You will see my other channel. And boy, do I ever rag on Democrats. That's fine. You don't got to like it. You don't got to watch it. And if you disagree with me, you're free to disagree with me. But that's just the stuff I see and the things I care about. Brian Stelter would rag on Trump. And as much as I'm like, it, it's tiring. Yeah, I get it. I rag on Democrats. You rag on Trump. Welcome to the game. But over time, Brian Stelter started becoming dishonest with his criticisms of Trump to where we come to today, where it's just overt nonsense. If you've got a legit criticism, criticize him. But what Brian Stelter did was he said that you know, Trump was what should, should have been uh, talking about the coronavirus victims, but instead for 20 minutes, he talked about Michael Flynn. Okay. He also talked about the coronavirus. It's, uh, your argument is Trump should only ever talk about the coronavirus? That's a weird thing. And Brian Stelter did this really stupid, drawn-out thing like Don Lemon did, where he's like, "It's a shame these right-wing media sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, dude. You know what? Just stop. Just stop. You guys are spiraling out of control. I certainly have my bias, but there's a big difference between me saying something like impeachment was a mistake and the Democrats are doing poorly in California, which is a fact reported by Politico, and me just complaining about Ocasio-Cortez playing Animal Crossing or something. Yeah, people did that. I didn't. I'm not one of them. I don't care." So Donald Trump tweets this out. Brian Stelter responds. Let's read the news. President Trump attacked CNN's Brian Stelter on Sunday after the media commentator said right-wing media outlets lack news judgment due to prioritizing coverage of the Department of Justice's decision to drop the case against Michael Flynn over the coronavirus pandemic. It's it's a shame that these left-wing media sites and, and, and companies like MSNBC, are not talking about the coronavirus. Just today, Chuck Todd was talking about Michael Flynn and Bill Barr. But every day, thousands of people lose their lives. Oh, harumph. I I stand right next to you, Brian Stelter, complaining that. Wait, you said right wing media? No, 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 no. It, it's not right wing media. I thought it was. I thought it was Chuck Todd of Meet the Press, a, a C, uh, highlighting a CBS interview. Wait, hold on. This this can't be right. I'm I'm confused. I'm I'm, wait. MSNBC. Hold on a minute. You mean to tell me, or is this regular NBC? I don't know. I don't know which one these these people are on. It's one of the NBCs. Anyway, the point I'm making is Brian Stelter pretended to be outraged at Trump and Fox News when in reality they're talking about the same stuff. Do you want me to come out and be like, I am shocked? that Chuck Todd would would talk about Bill Barr instead of the coronavirus. Well, they're talking about that, too. I don't care. They can talk about whatever they want. No, it's because Brian Stelter has nothing to talk about. So he lies. He fakes it. He pretends. And that brings me to the next story, the fake news world. Well, I'll I'll go back to the other one in a second. But this story is about Chuck Todd taking Bill Barr out of context. So please, by all means, rag on Donald Trump because he talked for 20 minutes about the Michael Flynn case and the DOJ but you know what? So is Chuck Todd. And I'm pretty sure it's MSNBC. Am I supposed to pretend like he's in the wrong too? Why didn't you call him out, Brian Stelter? You could have certainly dedicated a few minutes to be like, but also left-wing media does the same thing oh, it's because you're lying. You're a liar doing performative journalism to pander to your base and pretend like you're somehow better than everyone else. You're not better than me. I'm not. Well, actually, I was going to say I'm not better than you because we are all playing a game, right? We all have our bias. Like I said, rag. You, you go to my main channel. It's like Democrats, Democrats, Democrats. And boy, do the Democrats panic a lot. But I'll be fair to myself in that we're in an election cycle where everyone's asking questions. And yes, I do focus on the Democrats a lot. Feel free to criticize me for it. I have multiple channels. I don't always just talk about the Democrats across all of my content. And if you listen to my podcast, it's like 20 minutes out of every day is like me ranting about Democrats. But I get it. I do talk about them a lot, man. I know. And I deserve criticism for it. That's just my bias. Because when I read the news, it's what strikes me. It's what I'm concerned with. It's what I see. And then I want to talk about it because I have my own biases, too. But if you want to pretend like— the right wing is this awful, evil machine propping up Trump's lies and ignoring the real tragedy. Nah, man, you're you're now you're just lying to people. Listen, when I talk about my view of Democrats, I do it honestly. And I explain that, yes, I'm biased, but I really do think these are things we should, pay, we should be paying attention to. And I feel the Democratic Party has collapsed in on itself and it's gone nuts. I mean, look at Joe Biden all day, every day. But listen, when Bill Maher is even coming out and saying the th- same things I'm saying, and you're seeing things at like the walk away campaign, I do think I'm right, but I'm not going to lie to you. Yes, Donald Trump talked about Michael Flynn for 20 minutes. Yes, Chuck Todd took uh, uh, an interview out of context to smear Bill Barr. What Brian Stelter does is just lies. Trump's comments were part of a retweet of a message from conservative commentator Dan Bongino, who was also attacking Stelter. During a Sunday Reliable Sources show, Stelter criticized right wing media for prioritizing coverage of the Flynn decision over the pandemic. They're treating the Michael Flynn story like it's a bigger deal than the deaths of 2000 Americans a day. It's like the New Orleans flood every day. We get it. He specifically called out the interview with Trump, which I mentioned. In what right mind is any scandal, any political scandal, any Department of Justice story more important to ask the president about than the pandemic that's raging, Stelter asked? Ultimately, it's about news judgment. It's about a lack of judgment. But I find it befuddling that some people are acting like this death toll is normal and accepted. No, they aren't. Shut up, dude. I am so sick of the crap being put out by CNN. That is just not true. Now, I'll be fair. Brian Suther said, what scandal is more important to ask the president about? Chuck Todd wasn't asking the president. He was asking a panel about Bill Barr. Okay. But Chuck Todd took the quotes out of context. He snipped it. So you didn't hear the full answer from Bill Barr. Made him look bad. A lot of people are really angry by this. But Donald Trump didn't only talk about this one thing. You're just making things up. I can't stand it, dude. I think I, I got to be honest. I think Brian Stelter is one of the most despicable people on TV. I really do. And it's, a, it's particularly as he gets worse and spirals out of control because he's sitting here on reliable sources acting like they're addressing media bias honestly when he is lying in your face and spitting in your face so he can drive up ratings to make money. That is despicable. Him and Oliver Darcy. Those people have spiraled so far and it's crazy. Because I know Oliver. I've met with him. We've talked about this stuff. He interviewed me one time when I said it was it was worrying that social media was banning the alt right. I said people have free speech and you've got sunlight is the best disinfectant. You've got to challenge these ideas. He did an interview for me. He interviewed me about it, put it up on Business Insider. Now, where is he? All he does all day is review Fox News. And that's what Brian Stelter has become, the Fox News Review Channel. Fortunately for me, my concern is with the industry as a whole. So I've criticized Fox News. Last year, they were in an anti-evolution segment, and I laughed a whole lot about it. But for the most part, my criticism of Fox News is what? Biased opinion? They support the president? Look, Tucker Carlson was earlier than everybody on the coronavirus stuff, earlier than everybody. And Fox News did have very early segments talking about it, and they were ridiculed for it. Yes, many Fox uh, personalities, did downplay things in a, in a rather poor way. But what do you want me to say? Everyone did. Nancy Pelosi was inviting people out. So was the, that dude in New York City and Bill de Blasio. So you want me to criticize Fox News for saying what other people were saying? because They got it wrong? Nah, that's what they're doing. Meanwhile, I look to MSNBC and what do they do? MSNBC takes Bill Barr out of context and he gets dragged for it. Project Veritas steps up. James O'Keefe. Chuck Todd deceptively edits footage of Bill Barr. Chuck Todd will not be held accountable. No blue check journalist will raise questions. Well, I mean, I'm a blue check journalist and I'll raise questions, but I'm lucky, I guess. I'm rare, though it's worse than anything Veritas has ever done. See, Project Veritas' editing was a straw man. For journos, it's about politics and raw power, nothing more. Here's what Bill Barr really said. They claim that he was like, history is written by the winners. Ha ha ha. What he actually said was it's written by the winners, but I think a fair history would say that it was a good decision because it upheld the rule of law. It helped, uphel, uh, uh, it, it helped, it upheld the standards of the Department of Justice, and it undid what was an injustice. James O'Keefe then says media is everything, uh, media is everything, narrative is everything. It is immoral and criminal what our media institutions do, and it's about damned, uh, and it's about, I don't know, that it's censored, damned somebody, somewhere held them accountable for their lies and omissions. Well, Donald Trump does that, and that's why people love the man. Fox News is absolutely far, far from perfect, but at least they have Tucker Carlson and Jesse Waters who tend to do a good job. I'm not a big fan of Laura Ingram or Sean Hannity, but they also have Brett Baier. I mean, Fox News, not that bad. And it's kind of weird for me to say they used to be pretty bad. They've gotten a lot better. I mean, Bill O'Reilly was really bad. I got to be honest. That whole segment where he was like, sun goes up, sun goes down. I don't, how does that happen? Tide goes in, tide goes out. And I remember that and I'm like, no, 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 please stop. I remember watching Fox News last year and they had a guy on talking about like evolution not being legit. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? This is so awful. Well, Tucker Carlson does a really good job. Rational, fairly moderate, Leans conservative, nationalist. I disagree with him on a lot of things. But I've been on his show, I think I've been on his show once or twice. He's mentioned me before. And I think even though we disagree on certain issues, he does a good job being honest. And actually, Tucker said that about me. He said, some, I, I was on, I think it was when I was on the Rogan podcast with Dorsey. He said, like, this Tim Pool guy, I think he's a leftist, but an, but an honest one. So good for him. And I laughed when I saw that. Tucker, I think, is the best guy we have on TV right now, to be completely honest. You look at how bad it's gotten with Anderson Cooper even, and he used to be OK. But they have devolved into a nightmarish cesspool of performative garbage. MSNBC is the InfoWars of the left. I know many people may be fans of InfoWars. That's fine. InfoWars isn't the, the, the vile, evil nightmare that the media tries to claim, them out, uh, claim, claim they are. But I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. And I think Alex Jones says a bunch of weird stuff. I think they've been right in certain instances, but I would not go to them for my information. Sorry. I think they, you know, Jones, for instance, says a lot of really weird things. I don't watch it. You're free to watch it. I don't care. Make up your own mind. I also don't watch MSNBC for the most part. I watch some clips sometimes, but it's because they're, they're worse than InfoWars. You know Why? I stated this earlier, so you'll hear me repeat it for those that are listening to the podcast. But if Alex Jones wants to talk about fifth dimensional aliens and beings and cell phone towers and crazy stories and stuff, yeah, I'm not a big fan. I don't like sensationalists, and I don't like people drawing lines and connecting dots that don't need to be, need to be connected. But what's worse is that a lot of what you, you see from InfoWars can easily be dismissed. A lot of the the, the more the, 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 the very crazy stuff. I'm not saying I like what they do. I'm not a big fan. No. But you look at MSNBC, and what they say is based in reality, but completely nonsensical. So a person hears this coming from a cable network, and they think, whoa, but that's MSNBC. I mean, it's an NBC company, right? People listen to Alex Jones, and they'll take it with a grain of salt. So if Jones says something wrong, people will laugh, roll their eyes, and just disregard it. Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes will come out and say nonsensical, insane trash, and people will be like, whoa, really? Like, just recently, they claimed Michael Flynn got, uh, got, got his criminal charges dropped because Vladimir Putin surely was involved. I'm so over it, man. I'm sick of this. But you know what? The worst, in my opinion, is Stelter because he pretends like he's calling the media out, but he's tricking you. And so it's like catching you in a trap where you're trying to figure out what the truth is. And then he comes along as a snake oil salesman saying, I got the truth right here. Take a look. And you look and what is it? Fake news. I'll leave it there. I'll see you all tomorrow on this channel at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out.